1045 The Zone's non-stop sports talk continues with a look at Nashville's teams and at news around the nation from the lead writer of 1045thezone.com. This is The Big Six. The Big Six with Jason Martin. Presented by Renters Warehouse. And here we go. Straight up 6 o'clock by my watch means it's time for the one and only Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. Glad to have you with us. Blessed to have you as a part of my audience. My name is Jason Martin. You can follow me on Twitter at jmardzone. I'm the editor-in-chief of the Big Six blog, 1045thezone.com slash Big Six blog. Working on a piece on Mindhunter. You'll be able to read that in a couple of days. And I should tweet out what I wrote about the first season for Outkick a couple of years ago. May actually do that. Coming up next segment, Bleacher Report, NFL expert, also football outsiders, Mike Tanier would join the program. We'll ask a little bit of Titan stuff, but we'll take him around the league. There's a lot of things going on, including dudes that are either about to get paid or still wanting to get paid, and just some other things that I want to kind of dive into with him. Also, a fascinating article from the New York Times about streaming media versus cable and how this thing is, supposed to, is going to eventually just kind of clap back on itself, which... Is something, if you remember, I said three or four weeks ago and have kind of said for the past couple of months that that's where we're headed. But I'm going to give you some stats and read a little bit of that to you and just kind of talk about that in the final segment. So there is a lot to get to tonight. But I told you, and I don't know if my math is totally right because I haven't seen the schedule yet, but I believe that I now have eight shows, including the Thursday night opener for the NFL between now and then because there's holidays and there's Titans radio and there is me going to Philadelphia next weekend for Labor Day weekend. And so there are eight days and there are eight divisions. So we're going to start with the East. Then we're going to go to the West. Then we're going to go to the North. Then we're going to go to the South. We're going to do one division a day, not NFC and AFC every day, but today we're going to do the NFC East. And if you heard how I did that East, West, North, South, and starting with the NFC, what does that mean? It means that the Thursday night opener, that show, I will do my prediction for the AFC South and where the Tennessee Titans will fall. But we do begin with the NFC East. And Brad Willis, my program director and good friend, asked me, he said, do you have a list of six tonight? Because I've been doing that all week, and I, I've enjoyed kind of getting back to that, and we're going to do it. I said, you know, I really don't because I've got Tanya coming on the show, and I've got some other things that I want to do. But as I was laying out how I want to kind of look at these divisions, I actually came up with six different questions that I'm going to answer as I relate how I feel like these divisions are going to play out. So I kind of do have a list of six inadvertently, but once I came up with these six, I'm just going to stick with these six for all of the divisions as we go forward leading into the NFL season. And so I don't know if I want to get to the records first or if I want to get to the questions first. I think I'll get to the questions first. The first question is best player in the division. And I might have to caveat here because I've got one A and one B, and I'm going to try not to do that as often as possible. But I think the answer is Ezekiel Elliott. And the news is the Cowboys have offered to make him the second highest paid running back behind Ty Gurley, who really shouldn't have gotten the money that he got to begin with. When you think about that resetting the running back market to a degree it wasn't going to be able to duplicate, four-year, $57.5 million extension, 
for a running back, you just weren't going to get it. I mean, Le'Veon Bell held out for a year, left, and still didn't get that money. He ended up betting on himself and losing in many respects. So Zeke probably ends up taking this deal, but I don't think anybody expected him not to be there week one. So I've got him, but I've got a 1A and I've got a 1B, and the caveat is Saquon Barkley. I don't think anybody in this league relies more on the running back position than the Dallas Cowboys do. Dak Prescott's out here trying to get paid. His numbers are precipitously better when Zeke is on the field. But I think that the Giants might actually end up using the back even more starting this year with Barkley because who exactly do they have playing wide receiver? Plus, they have whatever's left of Eli Manning's carcass at quarterback. So I think that the best player in the division, you could make a case for Saquon Barkley. I'll still go with Zeke, but I think that that could flip before we actually address this again one year from now. The second question. Best coach in the division. I don't know that this one is very difficult. There's no 1A and 1B here, I can tell you that. There's one guy that stands above the rest, and it's Doug Peterson. Doug Peterson, who has a great offensive mind, seems to be somebody you want to play for, won a Super Bowl a couple of years ago, certainly. Young guy in terms of how progressive he feels about his offense, willing to take chances, smart as a whip. Beat Bill Belichick in the Super Bowl. I mean, that alone makes you the best in this division. I mean, who else are you looking at? You're looking at Pat Shermer. I mean, there is not a whole lot there to point to. There's Jay Gruden, and then there's Jason Garrett, who perennially is the question as to whether or not he should actually have his job as the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. So I think it's Peterson, and that one doesn't require very much exposition. Third question is hot seat. Which one of the coaches is on the hot seat? There was a poll done a couple of weeks ago by NFL players. I think it was. It may have been media members. And said, which coach is on the hot seat the most in terms of the entire league? And Jay Gruden won it. And Jay Gruden wins my award as well. I think Jason Garrett is perennially on the hot seat. But Jay Gruden, at this standpoint, and it may not even be fully fair, because he's dealt with all sorts of problems. He's dealt with multiple injuries to quarterbacks, and he's dealt with that owner and all the other things that have nothing to do with that football team and the Kirk Cousins contract situation, and he's dealt with a lot. He's dealt with injuries to skill players at receiver. I don't know what kind of coach Jay Gruden is, but it seems to me if he does not make them far better than they were a season ago, he's probably not going to be there this time next year. So I would say it's him followed by Jason Garrett because it's always Jason Garrett. Pat Shermer should get a little bit of time from Dave Gettleman, especially with that quarterback situation and what they just did at that position during the NFL draft. So that's the third question. Best player in the division, Zeke Saquon Barkley right there. Best coach in the division is Peterson. Coach on the hot seat is Jay Gruden. Fourth question, biggest question mark in the division. And, you know, I thought about going with Dak Prescott, who's trying to get paid big money. We know this, reportedly turning down the 30 mil a year. And what is he going to be and what's the market going to be if he doesn't perform this year or if the Cowboys find a way to struggle? I think that that is a huge question mark. But I don't think it's the biggest question mark. I think the biggest question mark after watching the first couple of weeks of the preseason 
and just where he was selected. It is when and if we see Daniel Jones at quarterback for the New York Giants. I think the if is once the Giants are out of contention, then it might be time to go ahead and pass the reins. And then Eli can go ahead and finish up, uh, not playing games. Unless they unless he just has to play all these games for some reason, they're going to want to get Daniel Jones some reps, as they should. And if you look at his preseason numbers, he should probably already be getting some reps with the ones that he is not at this at this point. He's certainly not going to start the season at quarterback. You can't look at the preseason and just lose it. But he does have stats that you like, except that he's fumbled a little bit. He's going to be the future, at least in the short term, to try and determine what he is. But to me, that is the biggest question mark in the division, is when we see Daniel Jones or if we see Daniel Jones at that position. Fifth question, number of playoff teams coming out of this division. Bill Barnwell's article that we discussed a lot on this show about the five teams set to take a step forward, five teams maybe taking a step back. The reason that article makes sense is because only 50% of the league makes the playoffs from year to year. There's about a 50% turnover rate. It was 40% two years ago, 50% last year. So who's going to take a step back? Because everybody that made it last year, you can, I guess, make an argument they'd make it again. But you can't plan for what the Chicago Bears did ahead of schedule. You can't plan for what the Colts did last year ahead of schedule. And then you can't plan to see the Vikings, who were in the championship game the year before, not even make the playoffs. So there are a lot of things to look at from there. So I look at this and I say, okay, NFC East, how many playoff teams are we going to get? Well, the problem is you have to look at four divisions in the NFC and determine which one you think has more talent outside of just one football team. And I think you could make an argument for all four. In the NFC. I don't think that's going to be true. Matter of fact, I know it's not going to be true in the AFC. But I think it's only going to be one. I think that the team that wins this division is going to be 11 and 5. Then you're going to have a 9 and 7 team that's just barely going to get beaten out by another division. And then you got two 5 and 11 teams. That is my prediction right there. And I'll tell you what the teams are at the end of this. But I think the 11 and 5 team gets in, the 9 and 7 gets edged out, and of course the 5 and 11s are not going to be meaningful to this discussion. So unless you win the NFC East, I don't think you're getting in the playoffs this year. Now, player with the most to prove in the division. And here again, you could easily go with Dak who's trying to prove he's worth all this money he thinks he's going to get. But I'm going to go with Carson Wentz. I think Carson Wentz has the most to prove because Nick Foles left him going to Jacksonville. The worst possible thing for Carson Wentz is he struggles or he gets hurt again. And for some reason, the Jaguars flourish. I don't see that happening. And Mike Tanier knows the Eagles incredibly well. And we'll talk to him in the next segment and get his thoughts on this. But Wentz is three and five in the month of December and has never won a playoff game. The Eagles won a Super Bowl two years ago, but that was all Nick Foles. That was not Carson Wentz. We recall he got hurt against the Rams in Los Angeles, and we didn't see him again until last year. But Carson Wentz, who you saw the grumblings coming out in that Philadelphia news article about how he's a little bit of a 
diva and he throws people under the bus and never does anything wrong. And I think he might have recognized that some of that may have been legit criticism, took it to heart. And from what we've seen over the past handful of months, it seems like he might be a better teammate at this point. Maybe he did get a little full of himself, which, I mean, that's very easy can happen for somebody that comes from a small place and then succeeds in a very large one. But without Nick Foles there, they let Nick Foles walk. They bet on Carson Wentz. So if he stinks it up, that's the wrong market to stink it up in. And if he can't stay healthy, that's going to be – we know exactly what that's like. Even, But it's worse for Wentz than it is for Marcus Mariota in just the sheer number of games missed and the sheer number of games where the excuse is he's not fully healthy. So I think Carson Wentz has the most to prove. Now for the records. Giants are going to be 5-11. and 11. Redskins are also going to be 5-11, and 11, but I think the Skins will get the Giants head-to-head, and they'll finish third. The Eagles will be 9-7, and seven, and the Dallas Cowboys will win the division, and they will be the only team from the NFC East to make the playoffs. I think Dak's going to have a pretty good year. I think Zeke's going to have a monster year. Amari Cooper, also trying to get paid, will get paid, showing it. I just feel like the Cowboys will get, will get one more win than they got last year. We'll win the division, and we'll have a real – I would say they're going to have momentum going into the postseason. They're going to be incredibly dangerous in the playoffs this year. Up next, Mike Tanier from Bleacher Report. We will talk about the Eagles and Carson Wentz. We'll talk about the preseason. He has a really interesting idea about how to make this more interesting. All of that coming up. You don't want to miss it. This is the Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. Zone. 280 breaks down the X's and O's with NFL Films' Greg Cosell. Presented by the Huffaker Group of Keller Williams Realty. Wednesday afternoons at 1220 on 104.5 The Zone. to the Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. Jason Martin with you on Twitter at jmartzone. Little band of heathens. Tunes called Hurricane. We'll be checking them out Sunday night in town. Great live act, by the way, if you've never seen them before. They'll be at 3rd and Lindsley. We're brought to you by Renter's Warehouse, dedicated to putting homeowners on the path to financial freedom through rent estate. Renting your home without having to do the hard stuff. Renter's Warehouse, the rent estate company. We welcome him from Bleacher Report and Football Outsiders, Mike Tanier, who I saw tweet out that he put his phone down for an hour and then got three radio requests. I assume I'm one of them, but I appreciate him doing it anyway. Mike, the season's almost here. How are you? I'm doing great. You are one of them, and I've got some breaking news. I'm watching the Giants game against the Bengals. Eli Manning handed off and then ran downfield to block for Wayne Garman. So Eli Manning, if he if he doesn't make it as a quarterback, he might be the left tackle for the Giants at this point. <laughs> well, there you go. When, when and if do we see Daniel Jones this season? Are we going to see him at all? Do you believe that Eli plays all 16 games or when they're out of contention at the very least, do we start to see Jones? I believe it's going to be a developing story. And I believe that there's a little bit of, uh, of tension there. Not so much that head coach uh, Pat Sharma wants to start Daniel Jones week one. I don't think that's the case. I don't think he liked, uh, I think a lot of people saw that uh, last week, John Mara, kind of said that the, the, his, his decision, he said, yeah, I want the, any change of quarterbacks to go through me, the owner of the team. But kind of stepping on the coach's toes a little bit. One thing I have seen, and I'm watching Eli right now, in camp he's looked pretty sharp. Eli looks like, he doesn't look like he's any further over the hill, let's say, than he was last year, the year before that. 
that. So, and Daniel Jones, despite some really great plays, you know, you see the fumbles in the games, you still see mistakes. So I think it makes sense week one for Eli to be a starter. I don't know what is going to happen week 10, week 11. I think it'll be longer than it should be, though, uh, before they make the change. Just because I was reading this a little while ago, Jones is sort of this year's punching bag, maybe because of where he was chosen more than anything. But you wrote an article and you mentioned Dan Orlovsky and some other people that are starting to notice that, and maybe nobody knows this, at least in this market, haven't been paying attention, that Josh Allen is starting to maybe get it a little bit as a quarterback. What are you seeing? What what are What is out there that we're missing as it relates to Josh Allen in Buffalo? Well, there are a couple of really strong preseason performances where – He's doing some of the things that you need a, a, a good quarterback in the NFL to do. You know, to be able to check down and find that other receiver at the second read. You know, third and four, maybe not go for the home run ball, but go for the five or six yard pass. He's reading the defenses better. Sometimes he takes, his, takes some heat off of his fastball, which if you know Josh Allen, everything went 150 miles yeah. an hour as far, as far as it could go. So he's, he's seen some of those soft skills develop. Uh, for him. And, uh, you know, I, I saw the same guy coming out of Wyoming. I was like, this is a big arm and it's a big dude. And there's just not much else. And those guys usually go bust. And I saw a lot of that this rookie year. You're seeing more development this year. And it, that's very encouraging. I'm not, not ready to put him in the pro ball, not going to put the bills at 12 and four, but you're seeing some of the things I think people didn't think you were ever going to see out of him when he came out of the draft. And, and that's a good sign for the young man. Mike, you know, because you're talking about hype and everything else, the, nobody's got more hype than the Cleveland Browns right now it, it makes me raise my eyebrow just a little bit because i'm not so sure i've still got the steelers winning that division but what do you think is more likely the browns go six and ten or they go ten and six i think the ten and six is more likely if you hit me with a 12 and four i would have been, i would have you almost know, uh, paused for a little bit longer but i think the ten and six is within range uh you know I, they're unique in that i haven't ever seen a team that has accomplished so little talk so much and it's not, it's not just the guy. It's not just Baker. It's not just Odell Beckham. It's not just the coaches. All of this. This team has announced its arrival here. So I think a lot of us see the same thing. We say the bust potential here is high. Then again, if you look at the talent, the talent potential there is high. I want to see how they handle adversity. I want to see how they handle tough losses, things like that. But in the meantime, I, I think the talent is there. The, the high-end guys are there that can get them into that wild-card berth or maybe be, get them that division crown. Mike Tanier, Bleacher Report, is at Mike Tanier on Twitter. I saw your kind of mild tweet thread about the preseason, your suggestion yeah. to take the first and fourth week and televised joint practices between a couple of teams, scrimmages with some more starters out there, packaged with some features that might add some interest. I imagine it's highly unlikely, but just for those that may not have seen your tweets, a little bit more detail uh, how it plays out in your head in an ideal world. There's always going to be some brand of preseason, so how would this work in your eyes? All right, so we'll keep the second and third games. There's two preseason games. It seems like it's a reasonable amount. So you take away the first game, you take away the fourth game. You, you have a joint scrimmage in the stadium or a joint practice in the stadium. And uh, they, they do seven-on-seven seven drills. They do goal line drills. They do some full squads. The kickers go out there and try to kick 50 yarders. You put the fans in the seats who would have to play, pay for a preseason game anyway. They pay for this. And you run it as like a two-hour uh, TV show on, on local channels. Now, there's fans saying, oh, I wouldn't watch that. I wouldn't watch that. Well, I feel your pain. But are you watching the first preseason game? Right. Probably not. Well, you're tuning in. You're getting disappointed and frustrated and tuning out. And the one that's, uh, you know, in a couple of weeks, the fourth preseason game, you're watching a college football game, not that. So if you replace them with games where the starting quarterback, he's wearing a red shirt, but at least he's throwing the ball, where you're seeing Daniel Jones, when you're seeing Kyler Murray, whoever you want to watch, Baker Mayfield, 
more fans are going to tune in and be more interested, and there's going to be more to talk about than there is right now. Because right now it's a mess. I, I was also tweeting, players used to play in the first preseason game. Mm-hmm. Starters used to play. Tom Brady used to play. Peyton Manning used to play the first preseason game. That's gone out the window totally. These games are unwatchable and unnecessary, and they should come up with something better for the players and the fans. Longer career in the NFL because I heard you mention him right there. And, look, you can't look at the preseason and say, well, this guy's a bust or this guy's a boom. But looking at Arizona, is it Kyler or Cliff? Which one's got a longer career in the NFL? <laughs> Kyler, 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 yeah. Kyler, Kyler. And I don't want to – yeah, I don't want to – Cliff Kingsbury, all those Chip Kelly alarms are going off in my head. Whereas a lot of excitement and he's going to take the world by storm, et cetera. And then about a season happens and you kind of see what happens. So I, I, I'm a believer in Kyler Murray. I think he can be a heck of a quarterback in the NFL. I think he's got the skills that those smaller quarterbacks need to succeed with those Russell Wilson type needs. And I think he can be that guy right now. What I saw last week, uh, people watched that game. It was, uh, it was nationally televised. It looked like they didn't know how to line up. The Cardinals didn't know how to line up or what to do. And that's on the coach. And that shows that the coach, not the quarterback, might be the one who might not be quite ready for prime time. Yeah, their opponent in that game, the Raiders, the A-B saga has been, I don't know, well, it's been a (laughs) godsend to people in the media because it's given us something to talk about for the last month. But, well, we've got cryogenic gate, and then we've got helmet (laughs) gate one and helmet gate two, and we've got all of these different things. And I know that a lot of this stuff is very minor, but when does accumulation become concerning as it relates to Antonio Brown? Uh, I think it did happen about two weeks ago. It's happening now, certainly. Um, And and one of the things I try to stress to folks is, you know, uh, they'll say, you know, Antonio Brown and these other, you know, these diva receivers, prima donna receivers. No, there's no and. He is not in the same group as Odell Beckham or, you know, back in the day, Chad Ochocinco or whatever guy, you know, is is making news this week. He is a different category. Maybe T.O. at the absolute craziest wackiest T.O. was in that, but, but even then it never got to that. So yeah, we're there with Antonio Brown and I think the Raiders are there. And I think we know the Steelers were there for a year or two. And it's, it's something that uh, it, this, the Raiders have to recognize they bought into this. This is something that now they have to figure out a way to live with. And there's things that you can deal with when a guy's kind of like outspoken or a little like uh, needs a little extra high maintenance uh, attention. And there's things you can't deal with. And that's going to be it for John Gruden and Mike Mack to figure out. And I, I think they're already discovering that what they thought was going to work is out the window. And they have to, if they have a plan B, they better come up with it soon. I'm, I assume, you know, Bill Barnwell, he put out that stat. Well, he put out that idea and he does that column every year with the five teams. that are going to take a step forward and the five are going to take a step back because about half of the teams that made the playoffs a season ago are not statistically going to make it this year. So when you look at it, who made it last year that you think takes a step back this time and who's primed to take a step forward? I'm going to go with the Chicago Bears. I keep calling them the this year's Jaguars. Yep. Uh, I think they're a team that the, like the defense falls off a little bit. I think the defense will be great, but like they had like a, like 5,000 turnovers last year. I think it was like 30-something turnovers. They won't get that. That'll slip a little bit. And uh, just like, you know, Blake Bortles looked great when everything was going well and he could throw a screen pass and they could go 50 yards, we might see a little bit of that with Trubisky, uh, where he's a, a guy who drops off a little bit, and as a result, the team drops off a lot. Um, team is going to move up at this point. I think we've all got our eyes on the Browns, and we always already talked about the Browns. Don't rule out the Carolina Panthers right now. Mm-hmm. They might have the best front seven in the NFL. That's a big deal. Cam Newton is healthy now. That's also a big deal. And they've got a lot of young weapons that we really didn't see much of at the end of last season because Cam couldn't throw 10 yards without his shoulder falling off. So they're a team that could slip right back into where they always are, which is in the thickest thing with Cam, with defense, and they could surprise a few people this year. 
I'm going to give you a list here. Dak wants money. The Eagles went with Wentz over Foles. Cousins got paid and the Vikes missed the playoffs. Aaron Rodgers, no Mike McCarthy. Now he's got a rookie coach in, in Matt LaFleur. Andy Reid, maybe making it to a second Super Bowl and winning one finally. Marcus Mariota right here in Nashville. Jameis Winston in Tampa Bay. That list is sort of a list of question marks. So who <laughs> do you think in the NFL has the most to prove this season? Oh, wow. That is a long list. I'll, I'll go back to the Green Bay Packers here because I know there's a lot of talk about, you know, Aaron Rodgers was the best quarterback in the NFL for about two or three years there. Is he still? Or, and to how, what, how much has he fallen off? And how much of it was uh, uh, that he and Mike McCarthy weren't on the same page? And how much of it is, uh, is bad habits that may, have, uh, that may have really kind of seeped into the way Aaron Rodgers plays? So there's a lot there. Not only does it prove that he still has it on the field, but he must prove that he has it off the field to, to mesh with a younger coach and not, you know, the first time two incomplete passes, uh, say, I'm just going to start calling audibles again. So that's a team that, you know, a lot of us are waiting and seeing. You know, that's one of those teams we have on the boomer bus level. Aaron Rodgers goes back to being Aaron Rodgers. Packers could be a heck of a team, and that can be the team that replaces the Bears at the top of the NFC North. How is the Melvin Gordon saga going to end? Looks like Zeke's going to get paid. I don't think that that – surprises a whole lot of people even though there's been a lot of posturing there but how do you think yeah. it's going to end for melvin gordon uh with the chargers yeah so much posturing yeah we know zeke is going to get paid at some point it's a matter of picking gordon is not going to get paid uh the, the the chargers do not pay their running back so now it's a matter of saying well does he have the Le'Veon bell holdout in him and i don't know if he does i don't think most guys have that Le'Veon bell holdout in him i don't think losing a year of salary uh, and then going to the Jets is a, is a big win in most guys' minds. So I have a feeling Gordon comes back at some point. Maybe it's right on the dawn of the season. Maybe it's tomorrow. Maybe it's week two or week three. But he's got to recognize they've got other running backs there. They've got Eckler there. They've got a history of being uh, very, very thrifty, let's say, especially when it comes to the quarterback position. So if he's waiting for something to, to, to break in Los Angeles, nothing's going to break. He's going to have to be the one who makes the decision to come back. And then – the AFC South right here, of course, Titans fans want to hear about their football team. But I think the biggest question mark, maybe in the whole league, is what's going to be Andrew Luck's story this year in terms <laughs> of how healthy he is. If he's not healthy for the first month of the season, then that opens the door for the rest of that division. And there are some talented teams in the division, but all of them have like big-time flaws that you can point out. So how do you actually see the Titans doing? How do you see the AFC South going? Yeah, the Titans, you're right, because they look like that team that's once again – you kind of hate to say it about the Titans. They look like they're built in for like that nine and seven yeah. season, uh, you know, but, it, but that's what I see that that's what's on paper right now. And then you put Andrew Luck in and I, and I tell you, I have whiffed so many times on Andrew Luck's health. You know, I've gotten information. that it was wrong. I've gotten information from people who thought they knew something and they didn't. I have no idea what's going to happen with Andrew Luck, but if he's unavailable, they go back to being that very, that bottom uh, rung team. Uh, and if he's not sharp, they go to being in the middle of the pack team. And that's an opportunity, obviously, for the Titans to move up. Now, I will say this. I think you said, you know, all four teams have a chance. And maybe that's true. I don't see the Jaguars. No, I don't either. That big yeah, I don't either. No. So, and they got a strong defense, and they're going to be a spoiler, and they're going to be a tough out all the time. I, they don't have an offense that, that I can look at and, and say that this they can hang their hat on. And I, I know the Texans got hot last year, but the Texans have so many flaws. I think that uh, Bill O'Brien – uh, is kind of chafing under the, the role of head coach and general manager, and he's struggling with it. He can't put together the pieces on offensive line, and he can't uh, solve Jadavian Clowney. I think it could be a two-team race uh, with the Titans and the Colts, and I think uh, that Andrew Luck, in that case, becomes a serious, serious variable, especially for Titans fans.
do you think the chances are that whoever finishes second gets a wild card? I don't know. It's tricky because one of the things that you're looking at, well, first of all, we, we talked about, yeah, the Steelers are still in place, certainly. Right. We know that the Browns will be in the wild card picture if the Steelers, uh, you know, are an addition by subtraction team. The Ravens are not a bad team at all, and they, they are going to be surprising people with Lamar Jackson. And then, then you go over to the AFC East, and we, you know, we chisel in the, the Patriots at the top, and then you look at the Bills and the Jets. Both of them are going to have two games against the Dolphins. That's 2-0. and mm. Games against each other. If one gets better than the other, that could be a 2-0 and there. You can put a scenario to there where an ordinary team in that division goes 10-6 and with a soft schedule. All of a sudden, you're 9-7. and You're not getting a wild card in the AFC South or anywhere else. Mike, we appreciate it, man. I know you're incredibly busy. Follow at Mike Tanier on Twitter. We'll talk to you again soon, my friend. Always a pleasure. Take care and enjoy some preseason action. Yeah, probably not, but thank you very much anyway. <laughs> All right, Mike, take care. That's Mike Tanier. He's at Mike Tanier on Twitter. We'll be right back. This is the Big Six on 104.5 The Zone. So, football 2019 happens right here. Mike Keith and Dave McGinnis bring you every single snap on Titans Radio every weekend. Plus, you can hear from Coach Mike Frabel every Monday night at 6 o'clock. Thursday Tuesday night, night Sunday, Sunday night, night, and Monday night football. All right here. Covering your Titans, the AFC South, and the NFL's 100th season. This is your football station. 104.5 The Zone. Welcome back. Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. Our thanks to Mike Tanier, Bleacher Report and Football Outsiders for joining the program. He's great. Follow him at Mike Tanier. That's T-A-N-I-E-R. Just in case it's hard to hear. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. If you got time, you can follow me. Jimmy Harper, my producer, doing a fantastic job behind the glass, spinning the Dobbs radio style. Coming up next, the Battle for Atlanta, official SEC football preview show. We'll certainly not want to miss that, so we'll get you to it here in just a bit. I'm looking at this sort of real-time story out of Winnipeg. Packers or Raiders is tonight. Raiders aren't going to be playing really anybody, and the Packers are now thinking they might hold their starters out. Now, they're in Canada, so there's Canadian fans that really want to see people they care about. They're probably not going to but apparently the field is just a total disaster. The CFL, a different length field, so they've had to try and create patches of grass, and it's gone just horribly wrong. So I'm looking at Mike Garofolo of the NFL Network, who just tweeted out, the other thing being mold is an 80-yard field to avoid the end zone, which apparently is the problem area. But few people seem to know how that'll even work. Again, stay tuned. I'm also seeing like random game might get canceled, all sorts of things. And I just continue to look at the preseason, and Mike Tanner had that interesting idea of taking the first and fourth weeks, making them joint practices inside a stadium with seven-on-sevens and things the fans would want to see, and that those scrimmages and those situations would be far more interesting than the first or the fourth preseason game ever are. Anything to make this more interesting would be good. I've watched, oh, about five minutes total of NFL preseason outside of just highlights because I just don't care. And honestly, I don't think you do either. And a lot of the country doesn't because the numbers are tanking year after year. It seems like they're getting worse. And there are two trends that are happening in football around exhibitions. One, I mean, look at the Rams. Sean McVay is not playing anybody, period, in the preseason. He thinks it's totally worthless. And he's right. Except for like the five to seven spots where guys are actually competing for jobs. Or if you need to see who can get it done in certain situations, 
or in certain packages and formations and things of that nature. So you can kind of be a little strategic about it and get whatever it is that you need to get out of there, out of there. But they're not playing starters. The Bears are basically playing those starters. The Colts are basically playing those starters. This is a trend that is only going to become more prevalent as it goes forward. The other trend is in college football, and that is guys that are about to get drafted high in the NFL sitting out of exhibition bowl games because they mean less than any regular season football game does outside of the college football playoff. And so I saw another argument. This was Stephen Godfrey, who does an awesome job. I hope to have him on the show soon. They're doing, they've got a, a new website actually now does the SB Nation college football crew. Spencer Hall is part of it. It's definitely going to be something to pay attention to. It's called the Banner Society. But Stephen Godfrey talked about taking week zero in college football and making that all of the bowl games. Take the bowls from the postseason and then make them week zero. I think that's a good idea. Anything to make those games meaningful because even though I will sit down and watch some of those bowl games, and you do get some good matchups on New Year's Day and even some of the ones, you know, the 31st or the 30th or the 29th, there are way too many bowl games, and there are guys like McCaffrey or whoever else that are sitting out just like they should, Fournette. I mean, why would you play in a game that doesn't matter? Because you care about your school, I get it, but if you get injured and you've cost yourself $100 million, I mean, what is the school going to do for you at that point? I mean, after seeing what happened to Marcus Lattimore, I'm not playing in any game that I don't have to if I've got a pro career set aside. I'm playing in the regular season, and I'm playing if I'm in the college football playoff, but I'm not playing in the exhibition. So there are problems in football in terms of these bowl games. That's a trend that I think you're going to see more and more guys sit out, and you can't blame them, and it makes total sense, and I'll applaud everyone that does because the only person that cares about their bank account and cares about their future is them. They're going to get used and abused in the pros. So make all the money that you can. I don't begrudge anybody for trying to make money. I think Melvin Gordon is wrong. And I think you have to look at the market and know what your value actually is. You may think you're worth $700 million, but the market may say $10 million for a running back is absurd. And if you turn that down, then you're an idiot. And that's what a lot of people have said about Melvin Gordon. You heard Mike Tanier in the last segment say he doesn't think Melvin Gordon is going to get paid. And the question is, when does he realize he has no leverage and does he come back out onto the field or does he let Austin Eckler show up and make him even less valuable? Or the third string back that's also really talented out there for the Chargers. Zeke is a different story than Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon is betting on himself being seen as Le'Veon Bell, and I don't think anybody sees Melvin Gordon as Le'Veon Bell, especially with the injury history surrounding that. So two problems. And there could be some fixes. Preseason football is not going anywhere. If we go to two games, that's a little better. But I like Tanier's idea. I don't think it will ever happen, but I like it. And then in terms of the bowls, I like Stephen Godfrey's idea of taking the bowl season and making that week zero in college football. I think that would make it almost like a party atmosphere. Those things would be a whole lot of fun. And then you'd still get your sponsors making all the money and the television deals and all of that. But just change it up because once you get past the conference title games, it's time to get to the college football playoff and maybe the New Year's Six. And outside of that, all the rest of this stuff, just find another home for it because it's just too much already. Be right back. This is the Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. Monday, tune in for NASCAR's Truck Series. Coverage from Canadian Tire Motorsports Park starts Sunday at 1 on 104.5 
the zone. Final segment of the program tonight. Big six here on 1045 the zone. I'm Jason Martin. Follow me on Twitter at jmartzone. You missed any part of this show, including a good interview with Mike Tanier of Bleacher Report and Football Outsiders. Subscribe to the Big Six with Jason Martin via your podcast catcher of choice. Hit this show whenever you want, wherever you want, however you want. We got it covered. You can also search for the Pop Six with Jason Martin and all the other fine podcasts, Paul Kaharski elsewhere, Step One Learn Sports. Will Bowling's got like two or three different ones as well. Go to 1045zone.com and look at the podcast's drop-down menu, and you can see all of the fine stuff that we're putting out there, a lot of new stuff. Seems like there's a new show every day just to make sure that you can get through no matter what you can do. If you're away from 1045zone, of course, you can hit the app or you can listen to 1045zone.com, but a lot of podcast stuff that you should be checking out. Maybe it'll be good for you when you're in the gym. So I want to try and make you smarter on this show. And I have an idea that I have not actually instituted yet that we might start doing in the final segment of some shows. And obviously we do the stat a lot of times at the end of the show. But when I read articles that not really back up my own point, but just seem interesting and seem relevant, I want to bring those to your attention. And so in the New York Times today, Matthew Ball, who used to be the head of strategic planning for Amazon Studios, wrote in kind of an op-ed about what streaming video has done and what it's going to look like in terms of television. And if you remember on this program over the past couple of months, I've talked about how Netflix has peaked. I think that a lot of these streaming services are going to become the bane of people's existence as opposed to the thing that they love and that it's going to flip back and slap back in terms of cable. And so I want to read just a little bit from this article, and I will tweet this out after the show as well. But it talked about the average cable package with unwanted channels on it because if you wanted to get a channel, there's always like one or two in a high tier that would make you pay more, but just the average cable package was about $65 per month. And so then he writes, So it was no surprise that audiences eventually flocked to streaming services such as Netflix and Hulu, which offered a balm for pay TV's frustrations. According to Nielsen, The average American now watches nearly a quarter less traditional television than a decade ago, with those under 34 years old having halved their consumption. But the streaming video era is already starting to resemble the old age of television that viewers were so excited to escape. Many of the problems TV watchers thought they had left behind are just being remixed under different brands and bundles. The next 12 months will see several video services come to market, including Disney Plus, AT&T, Warner Media's HBO Max, Comcast NBC Universal's unnamed service, Apple TV Plus, and Quibi from the Hollywood executive Jeffrey Katzenberg. This increased competition will offer audiences even more high-quality series, the sorts of films that can no longer be found in theaters, interactive storytelling they've never seen before, and further improvements in navigation and advertising. But then he goes into the idea that viewers are going to have to pay a ton to watch all of these shows. And so they're going to end up paying for a lot of shows and movies that they're never going to watch. That sounds a lot like cable in terms of those that wanted to cut the cord. That was their excuse. AT&T's Warner media is going to bundle its TV channels. That's like true TV and TBS and TNT and HBO. 
And then their film studios, Warner Brothers, DC, New Line, that's going to be in the HBO Max service. So you have to get both of them. Disney Plus is going to have Marvel, Pixar, and Lucasfilm, also National Geographic, and Disney's children's stuff. So then he posits that most households are going to ask companies like Amazon or Apple to bundle these services together into one app, which sounds an awful lot like Dish or DirecTV or Xfinity or Spectrum or anybody else. And you know what that means? It means an average monthly bill that's going to be pretty high. Also, and this was fascinating to me because I had never really thought of it this way. He writes, for decades, all TV content was free. Networks like ABC and CBS distributed their shows free of charge because they weren't really in the business of selling audiences 30 minutes of entertainment. Instead, they were selling advertisers eight or so minutes of the audience's attention. While most digital video services do charge their viewers, their real objective is to lock audiences into their ever-expanding ecosystem. The TV network is the ad. Amazon, Apple, Roku are using their networks, guys, to drive sales of devices and software and other products. And then he quotes Jeff Bezos of Amazon saying, when we win a Golden Globe, it helps us sell more shoes. Disney Plus is not trying to create a new revenue line for Disney. He writes, instead, it's about giving the company the ability to know each of its fans individually, including what content and characters they like and how much, and then sell to them directly. The annual plan is going to be like 70 bucks. Monthly subscription fees are trivial if Disney could sell five grand cruises and merchandise and movie tickets and all this. So that stuff about Google always being able to find out what you've searched for and then appeal to you ad-wise – they're using these streaming services to find out how to get more money out of you in their ecosystem, not just with their television. That is something I don't think we have been paying attention to. And this guy who used to work for Amazon, that's unbelievable. And then he talks about, will these shows do something like Mr. Robot, which is about corrupt telecommunications and evil megacorporations? And if you can't get a multi-platform synergy through a series that costs a lot of money, are they going to do it? Is this going to be opposite of a free press or even a free creative deal because everything is designed to draw you into spending more money on other stuff that they're associated with? I didn't even go that far when I was laying out my prediction that cable is eventually going to be the thing that people start to clamor for again because they're going to be able to bundle all this. A la carte's great until you only have one tray and you want 10 or 15 different things and you can't fit them on there. And then you have to sacrifice the milk or the french fries or the pizza or something else. And if Cable then says you can have all of this together on one tray for this price, then convenience goes the other way. I might talk about this on an edition of the Pop 6 coming up as well, but this is a great article. I will tweet it out. It's from the New York Times. I like to try and make you smarter on this show and make you think, I'm Jason Martin. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. If you're excited about SEC football, join the club. We're going to send you to the Battle for Atlanta, the official SEC football preview show for the new season. I will see you tomorrow night. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. God bless and good night. Four, four, four.